morning. Hey, good to see you guys. Uh, boy, we are five days from Christmas. I heard a few. Oh. So let me be the first to say to you, if nobody's told you yet, Merry Christmas. Okay, that was pretty lame. Merry Christmas. That's better. That's, that's what I was kind of hoping for this morning. Well, hey, it's so good to see you if you're with us this morning. Also, uh, super good to just see a lot of smiling faces here in-house. In I also just want to say hello anybody tuning in online. Uh, so good to have you with us this morning. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, I just also just feel like, you know, if you're newer to Edinburgh Church, maybe you've been here either in-house a, a couple weeks, or maybe you're even tuning in online for the first time. Let me just say... Uh, Thanks for joining us today. It means a lot to have you with us. Uh, thanks for choosing Edinburgh. And I'm just really hoping that God will bless you today. So uh, we've been in a series called Always Prepared. And it's been a fantastic series. I just want to encourage you, if you've missed any of those messages, just strongly encourage you to go out and check those out. Listen to them on our website. Especially, man, Brent's preaching has been so good. Just so practical, so down to earth. And uh, just good for me to hear. And just want to encourage you to go out. Check those out if you haven't yet. And I also just think it's super fitting that we close the series today, and I want to ask this question, are you prepared for Christmas? And this isn't just a fluff message, this is a, I want this to kind of be a brother to brother, brother to sister, are you really prepared for Christmas? And, and I hope you'll just indulge me, but I just kind of want to adopt the posture of rather than just preaching at you, I, I actually, I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to sit and I want us to kind of just have a talk. And I want us to talk about, are you really ready for Christmas? That's the topic today. So let me start by sharing that when I was a kid, uh, for some reason, one Christmas, I really, really wanted a hermit crab. I have no idea why, just at the time, I really wanted a hermit crab. I asked for one for Christmas. For some reason, this was like one of the coolest creatures I had thought God had created. I mean, a crab that lives in a borrowed shell. And I thought, that's so cool. I want one. And, uh, you know, just for the record, I never got one. Uh, you know, I'm kind of letting out some of my childhood pain. Uh, thanks for listening. It's very therapeutic. But, uh, but one of the interesting facts about hermit crabs, and this is where you're going to really think I'm a dork, uh, is that if they don't find a replacement shell as they grow, that hermit crab can actually die because that smaller shell hinders their growth. That smaller shell becomes a barrier for their growth. And as I thought about this, I thought, man, how true is that for so many of our lives today? That there are things, there are barriers that can get in the way and hinder our growth, especially our spiritual growth. These berries, they get in the way of the good things that I believe God wants to do in our lives. And plainly put, not dealing with those barriers, I think it can leave us unprepared for what God would like to do in our lives. And so taking that idea and just thinking about Christmas, I'm convinced that there are actually barriers that get in the way of us truly experiencing the wonder and the awe and the joy of this Christmas season. I do. And so today, I want to talk to you about some of these barriers, because if we don't deal with those barriers, you're going to be unprepared for Christmas in just five days, and you're going to miss out on the celebration. You're going to miss out on the joy. I think you're going to miss out on the wonder of what Christmas is really all about. And so this morning, I actually want us to look at three barriers that hinder 
people from experiencing the joy of Christmas. And we're going to learn from people that missed out at the very first Christmas. Okay? So three barriers that I think can get in the way of us really experiencing and enjoying this Christmas season. The first one is this. It's busyness. It's busyness. Now, busyness is that first barrier that can allow us to be unprepared for Christmas. Even in a year, right, that feels like we've had to slow down due to COVID, we still manage to be busy. Now, just to be clear, I think busy can mean more than just a full schedule. I think it can also mean a full mind. Can any of you relate to this? I find myself in this boat where maybe my schedule is not as busy, but my brain is always racing. Like, I'm thinking about COVID. I'm thinking about what's the future going to look like. I'm thinking about being in control. My brain just goes and goes and goes. And can I just tell you, it's busy and it's exhausting. Can any of you relate to that at all? It's not just a busy schedule. It's almost like an attitude of busy. Well, someone from the first Christmas that I think allowed the barrier of busy to make them miss out, to make them unprepared for Christmas, was the innkeeper. Let me show you this. It says this in Luke 2. It says, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Don't miss that. See, you know the story, right? In the last week of her pregnancy, Mary and Joseph, they have to go to their hometown of Bethlehem. They live in the city of Nazareth, and they have to go to their hometown called Bethlehem. It's this little tiny town where they're going to be involved in a census for taxation with the Roman government. And when they get there, Mary goes into labor. Her water breaks, okay? She's ready to deliver. And Joseph tries to check her into the local hotel. The innkeeper comes out and says, sorry, no vacancies. We're all filled up. There's no room in the inn. Now, from the innkeeper's perspective, man, this is a good thing because his business is clearly booming. I mean, if you own a hotel, you want it sold out. You want no vacancy. Things are good for the innkeeper. They're having the census. There's a lot of out-of-towners coming back, and they're looking for a place to stay. So he's all booked up. Business is good. He has no room for this little baby and this pregnant woman. Now, to be fair, okay, he obviously didn't realize who he was snubbing <laughs> that night. But the point is this. Busyness with his business was a barrier to being prepared for Christmas. I mean, think about it. The Son of God could have been born in his inn. Can you imagine the PR power of that, by the way? He could have put signs up everywhere saying, Son of God, born here. And he probably would have had his place sold out for the rest of his life. He missed, literally, the greatest opportunity because of the barrier of busyness. So i got to ask you, are you too busy with business or your own business or your life to make room for Jesus Christ this Christmas? 
I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about your schedule. I'm talking about your thoughts. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your budget, your plans, your life. Are you so busy with everything else that you just don't have any room? There's no margin. There's no room for Jesus in your life, in your heart, or in your mind. Friends, you could be so busy at Christmas that you miss meeting God, and he's being born right next door in the stable, and you weren't a part of it. It's the barrier of busy. A second barrier to really being prepared for Christmas, and this one, I, I, can, I can attest to this one, is familiarity. And what I mean by that is, is you're so familiar with the Christmas story that it, it doesn't inspire you anymore. It doesn't cause any awe anymore. It doesn't amaze you anymore. You've, you've heard it all before. You've celebrated Christmas your entire life. You know the story of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. You know the story of the shepherds and the wise men. You know the story of the angels singing glory to God in the highest. You know, you know, you know. You've been there, done that. I know the story. I know the songs. I know the traditions. Well, friends, the danger with familiarity is that it can make us jaded. It can make us, I'll just say it, bored. It, it, it can make us apathetic. It causes my whole attitude toward Christmas <laughs> to be this. You know, when we become so familiar with something that it doesn't amaze us anymore, we, we miss the beauty because we think we understand it. And what do we do? Then we take it for granted. We see it, but we don't do anything about it. And some people at the first Christmas that were unprepared because of the barrier of familiarity, I believe, were the religious leaders. Now, the Bible tells us of some wise men from the east, and they'd seen some kind of star. And these wise men, they had looked up all the prophecies, and they knew of the Savior of the world, and he, that he was supposed to be born in Israel, but they didn't know where exactly. So these wise men arrive in Jerusalem, and they request a meeting with the king. Now, this is King Herod of Israel. So Herod meets with them. And what's the first question that they ask King Herod? Where is this Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God? Where is this baby supposed to be born? Now, here's the amazing part. Guess what? Herod doesn't have a clue. He doesn't know. He's the king of Israel. He knows nothing about the Messiah. So in the middle of the night, what does he do? He calls up all the religious scholars and the leaders. And he says, he has them come in. And he says, okay, okay, teach me about this. Like, help me understand this. There's this king of the Jews that's supposed to be born. And he's going to be born here. Where is he going to be born exactly? And when is he going to be born? Look at what it says in Matthew 2. It says, Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them, where is the Christ would be born. And they answered, in the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet, it's Micah, by the way, Micah wrote about this in the scriptures. Friends, the religious leaders knew exactly what he was talking about. They'd been waiting for this for hundreds of years. They had been discussing it. They'd been debating it. They'd been detailing it. They'd been dissecting it for hundreds of years. They know what's going on. 
But even though they knew all the details, here's the thing that shocks me. They were still apathetic. They were unconcerned. They've been talking about it, but they don't actually care enough to go check it out for themselves. It's an attitude of been there, done that. Here's the astounding thing. These foreign dignitaries, these wise men come this long distance, maybe even all the way from China. We don't even know. They come all the way to Israel and they ask for a private meeting with the king. There's this weird star in the sky. The king calls the religious leaders for an emergency meeting. Yet none of them had cared enough to even go to Bethlehem and check it out for themselves. Think about that. Guys, do you know how far it is from Bethlehem to Jerusalem? Five miles. Five miles. They wouldn't even go five miles to check it out. They were so familiar with the story, and they were so into all their debating and the theology that they wouldn't even bother to check it out for themselves. They'd rather debate about the Savior than go see and experience the Savior. Friends, the, the familiarity, the, the lack of curiosity, it's just stunning to me. But let's be honest, you guys. This, this can happen to us as well. If you've grown up in the church all your life, maybe you've gone to Mass all your life, maybe you've even studied the Bible all your life, you've, you've heard the story of Christmas over and over, and now there's this level of jaded. And I believe it can be a barrier to truly being prepared for Christmas. Because we, what do we do? We think, I've seen and heard it all before. And we're going to miss out. You see, what happened is that these religious leaders over the centuries, as they kept waiting for the Savior of the world to show up, they started adding all these traditions on, more and more and more traditions. So by the time Jesus arrives, people are paying more attention to these traditions than they are to God. Does this sound familiar? Friends, we have so many traditions around Christmas now. And we keep adding, don't we? We've got Santa Claus. We've got Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. We've got Frosty, the snowman. We've got Elf on the Shelf. We've got Buddy the Elf. And we keep adding new traditions, new traditions, new traditions. We just keep piling them on. Now, let me be clear, okay? Friends, there's nothing bad about traditions. There isn't. But... It can be dangerous if Jesus is the one that gets buried underneath the famili familiarity of all these traditions. Then we've missed it. Friends, this Christmas, there's a lot of intelligent people that will participate in several of these Christmas traditions this year. I'll do it myself. They'll put up lights. They'll send cards. They'll bake Christmas cookies. They'll decorate the Christmas tree. They'll give gifts. They'll do every single tradition yet show no concern for checking out why we do all this stuff in the first place. Friends, if you don't hear anything else from me today, please hear this. Christmas is about a relationship. It's so that God could have a relationship with you, and you could have a relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you that if you've missed that, then you've missed what Christmas is really about. The barrier of familiarity, it's gotten in the way of us really being prepared for Christmas. 
There's a third barrier that I believe really can hinder people from celebrating and, and experiencing Christmas this year, and it's fear. Fear. And it, it's sad to me that some people actually fear Christmas, but I don't know if they realize that they fear Christmas, and, and, I'll, and I'll explain this. But when I look at the very first Christmas, this was King Herod's problem. Let me give you some quick background on Herod. He's the king of Israel, but he's actually a Roman citizen. He's of Arab descent, so he's not Jewish. He had come in and overtaken the city of Jerusalem and appointed himself as king. And the Jews hated Herod. They couldn't stand the guy. He was working under Roman authority to suppress the Jews. And so when Herod got word about Jesus, here's how he reacted. Here's what it says in Matthew 2. It says, when King Herod heard about this news about Jesus, he was very disturbed and worried. Can I just tell you this? I think very disturbed and worried is a nice way of describing Herod. Guys, Herod was crazy. He was literally crazy. Do you know why he was afraid of Christmas? Because he was afraid of anybody who might threaten his kingdom, who might threaten his reign, who might depose him as king of the Jews. He was so paranoid. He was so paranoid that anybody who got close to him that he thought might overthrow him, he had killed. He had his wife killed because he thought she might overthrow him. He had his mother killed because he thought she might overthrow him. He had two of his sons killed early on in life because he thought they might. He had his brother-in-law killed. Five days before Herod died, he had the rest of his children who were in the area killed because he didn't want any of them to succeed him. And he had all kinds of prominent Jews from the nation of Israel rounded up and put in prison. And he said, the moment I die, I want you to kill all of them because I know that when I die, nobody's going to weep over my death. But when I die, people will weep. So at least somebody will be weeping on the day I die. He was crazy. He was. So when these wise men show up, and ask, where is the baby born to be king of the Jews? You can imagine how Herod reacted. So in an attempt to wipe out all the competition, Herod makes a rule that says every baby boy born in Bethlehem in two years must be murdered. This moment in history, it's called the Massacre of the Innocents. Guys, it is tragic, it is terrible, and it is sad. Now, <laughs> I realize you don't have that kind of fear, praise the Lord. But I know a lot of people who are afraid to get to know God. They have three, if I could sum it up, fundamental fears in their heart about this. I think the, the, that first kind of fear is, well, if I really open up my life to Christ, then I can't do all the things that I want to do. There's a second kind of fundamental fear that I would say, you know, it's this, well, if I really open up my life to Christ, I'll lose all my fun. I won't get to do anything fun anymore. I think there's a third kind of fundamental fear that says, well, if I really open up my life to Christ, then I'll have to become a religious fanatic and people will think I'm weird. I, I think those are genuine fears that people think about being a Christian. Friends, Listen, when you invite Christ into your life, 
He doesn't make you more religious. You know what he actually makes you? More human. He makes you more alive. Do you know what Jesus said about this later on in his ministry? He said this in John 10. He says, I come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what it's about. Friends, the bottom line is this. You were made by God and you were made for God. And until you understand that, your life is never going to make sense. You can try to find life in making money, having fun, partying, having a great golf game, pleasure, possessions, sex, status, salary, you name it. You can try all these different things to fill that void in your life. And, but here's the reality. It's a God-shaped hole that only God can fill because you were made by God and you were made for God. And until you understand that, your life, it's not going to make sense. Bottom line on Herod is this. Herod's deepest fear was this. I don't want anybody to be in control except me. I don't want anybody to be in control except me. I don't want anybody else to be king. I want to be king. And that's why I think a lot of people fear God. Because the bottom line is, they want to be God. I want to run my own life. I want to be my own God. I want to call my own shots. I don't want to have to serve anybody. I just want to serve myself. Friends, that's the Herod mentality. I'm not going to let anybody else be king in my life, not even God who made me. And that fear caused him to say, I don't have any interest. Herod, the king who was five miles away from where Jesus was born. Friends, King Herod could have gone and visited the king of kings, but he didn't. The barrier of fear caused him to be unprepared for Christmas. So what about you? As you think about those things, are, there, there, are the barriers of busyness or familiarity or fear getting in the way of you really experiencing the joy of this Christmas season? If so, how can we make sure that we are prepared to really heartfelt celebrate Christmas? Friends, I just want to give you one action step this week. Just one action step to carry out. And it's this. I want to challenge you to take time this week to dwell in the Christmas story. That's it. And there's a reason I chose the word dwell. The definition of dwell is to linger over, to emphasize, or ponder in thought, speech, or writing. Man, I, I love that. Because here's the reality, when we dwell in a moment, especially if we invite God into that moment, it can change us. There's a group of people from that very first Christmas that I believe got this right. They dwelled, they lingered, they emphasized, they pondered what took place. And guess what? I believe it changed their lives. They didn't let busyness, they didn't let familiarity or fear get in their way. It says this in Luke. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded this. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly that angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Don't you love that? Isn't that cool? The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, it's interesting to me that of all the people that God announces he's coming to earth in human form as the Son of God, the first group that he tells is the shepherds. Really? Sheep herders. Now, you need to understand that in this culture 2,000 years ago, sheep herders or shepherds, they were kind of the lowest rung on the ladder. They were sometimes lower than criminals. They were considered stinky, dirty, smelly, worthless people. So why does God tell the good news to them first, to the shepherds, the sheep herders, the outcasts, the people on the fringe, on the end, the people that nobody else wanted to associate with? He tells them first, why does God tell the shepherds that the Son of God had been born in Bethlehem before he told anybody else? Well, I think one of the reasons was they weren't busy. <laughs> they were just there. They were out there sitting around in what I imagined, the starry night with a bunch of sheep. And if an angel shows up, what else are you going to do? You're going to listen. They're obviously not in a hurry. So when God says, hey, go to Bethlehem and see this new baby, they go. They're not like, well, sorry, God, we've got three Christmas parties we've got to get to first. No, they weren't busy. God always speaks to the person who's willing to listen. God doesn't talk to people who are too busy for him. He just doesn't. Friends, we need to sit and be still and quiet and dwell in the Christmas story. Let it soak in. Here's what the shepherds did next. Verse 15 says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, well, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord's told us about. What do they do? Let's go check it out. And remember, the religious leaders didn't do this. They didn't. Herod didn't do this. Friends, you know what I learned from this? Exploration and curiosity shatters familiarity. It absolutely removes that barrier. The shepherds model overcoming familiarity by being curious. They go and they look into it for themselves. Do you want to overcome that, that barrier of familiarity this Christmas? Spend some time looking closely at why Jesus came. Go exploring for him this Christmas season. Sit down. Read the Christmas story in different translations. Think about the characters. We all know that Jesus came, but we do, do we know why? 
Do you know why? Could you in a conversation share five or six reasons why Jesus came to earth? Man, I encourage you to look closely at why Jesus came. Go exploring. Put on your hiking boots. Make the effort to check it out. Investigate Jesus. Who he was. What did he say? What did he claim? Why does he matter? And what difference does it make in my life today? Ask those questions. Go exploring. Why? That removes the barrier of familiarity. You know, lastly, the shepherds, they didn't let fear get in their way. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and strips of cloth lying in a manger. And what did they do? They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Friends, they didn't allow the barrier of fear to get in the way of discovering the true meaning, the true awe, the true wonder of what Christmas is really about. And I believe it changed their lives forever. Friends, go exploring this Christmas. And invite God into that. Say, God, I want to be, I want my heart to be penetrated by this story this year. And here's the cool promise for us. If we're serious about that, do you know what God says to us? He says this to us in Jeremiah. He says, you know what? He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's a promise. And so I just, I just want to challenge you this, this Christmas week. Move past the barriers of busy. Move past the barrier of familiarity and fear. And seek God with all your heart. Take the time to be still and dwell. Dwell in the Christmas story this week to think on, to meditate, to explore the Christmas narrative. And God says, guess what? If you do this and you invite me into that, you'll find me. Let's be a people that are prepared in our hearts to let the Christmas story transform us this year. Amen? Amen. Let me close. Let me close in prayer. Lord, we just want to come clean and apologize <laughs> when we allow familiarity or fear or busyness to get in the way of connecting with you. God, I want so bad for myself and for the people listening online and the people in this room to be transformed by the Christmas story because it is powerful. So, Lord, I am requesting and asking you to move in our hearts this week, to help us make the time to dwell in the most powerful story ever recorded for us because it has the power to change lives. 
So Lord, we invite you in. We invite you in our lives into the story of a baby born in a manger that would someday redeem all of humanity and save the world. Jesus Christ, we love you. And it's all about you this Christmas. Be the center. We pray this in his name and all God's people said.